University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkland. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. So when I moved to Louisiana just under two years ago now, I anticipated quite a few exciting new adventures, good food, good fishing, LSU football, much to the chagrin of my Virginia Tech friends back home in Virginia. But there was one thing that I didn't expect to have to learn as pointedly as I have these last couple of years, and that's a little phrase that you true Southerners love to use. Bless your heart. I have been on the receiving end of probably at least several bless his hearts, and it's taken me almost two years now to learn that that's not always a great thing. There's a brilliant eloquence with which you true Southerners can both critique someone while being polite, and I love it. It's one of the greatest things that I have experienced here in Louisiana. It might seem strange, but we're continuing our series today, rebranding. We're examining how we view ourselves and others, and we're going to look at a short text today in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Let's hear our text together. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your land, your family, and your father's household, for the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name respected, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, those who curse you, I will curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. Now, I'd venture a guess that you might have noticed a theme in this passage. Blessing, though a little bit different than that old southern colloquialism. As we've journeyed through this series, we've noted several ways that we might think about rebranding our understanding of ourselves. We've noted that it can be easy at times for us to see ourselves in a negative light but that God views each of us with immense love and hope and promise. And so today, we'll reflect on the phrase, I am blessed. Before we dive into this passage further, let's be clear about what we are not talking about when we talk about blessing. We are not talking about God giving us stuff, fancy cars, Nice houses, fat retirement checks, if we say or do or pray the right things. That kind of thinking is more akin to what the ancient Romans believed about their gods of fortune or luck. And of course, this kind of thinking pervades even today, sometimes in the church. But regardless where these movements derive their theology or understanding of blessing, one thing is for sure. They aren't getting it from the Bible 
or from the historic Christian faith. Because when the Bible or the historic Christian faith talks about blessing, it's something entirely different, something much deeper and more meaningful. It's something that isn't simply centered on the self, but which has implications for those around us, extending all the way to the far reaches of the world, as we see with Abram in our passage today. It's also different in the sense that there's no preference here, no preferential blessing, we might say, where some people are blessed and others are not. The anxiety with which these other systems of blessing produce, anxiety about having to do the right things, say the right things, pray the right things in order to find blessing or favor with the gods, is something that the Christian faith has been preaching against since the very beginning. The Jewish faith as well. We see this even in Genesis. From the very beginning, for them, it was about grace not our own merit. And all people find grace and blessing and favor in this God's eyes. But, of course, this presents us with a real challenge, doesn't it? Because as we look at the world around us, it doesn't appear that everyone is blessed. In fact, statistically, it would seem that many people, maybe most people, are not. 689 million people around the world live in extreme poverty, surviving on less than $1.90 a day. 1.3 billion people, 22% of the world's population, live in multidimensional poverty, facing lack of health care, education, financial resources, etc., etc. And believe it or not, these statistics are actually vastly improved over the last several decades. And also, those several hundred thousand just here in our country who have lost their lives to COVID-19 this year, they certainly don't appear blessed. The pandemic has created crises of health, finances, economics, social isolation, most of which we might say are more of a curse than a blessing. And this week, the world watched as the verdict was read in the trial of Derek Chauvin, who was found guilty on all charges in the death of George Floyd last year. And while the verdict brought an understandable sense of relief for many, doesn't bring back a man who is still dead. And it stirs up the acute pain of many black Americans who deal with these struggles every day, who live every day with a sense of fear and are told by some that their lives don't matter as much as others. So it's clear to all of us, I hope, that we still have a lot of work to do. I don't mean to cause us to despair in any way, but I think it would be hard for any of us to look at these statistics or these stories and call them blessed. Well, Abraham's situation, or Abram, rather, 
is similar, I think. We might find some insight in our story for our own situations. As always, context is helpful. Walter Brueggemann has written that these three verses at the beginning of Genesis 12 constitute probably the most significant transition text in the entire Old Testament. The first 11 chapters of Genesis are referred to as the prologue of Genesis. This is where we find the stories of creation, the Garden of Eden, and humanity's expulsion from it. The first murder as Cain takes the life of his brother Abel. And of course the great flood and the story of Noah. These are legends of sorts, mythic stories that grapple with how all of this came to be. Not just the natural world, but human civilization itself, with all of its flaws and gifts. And the ancient Israelites, like us, they wondered about what all of this means and what our place is in it. They told stories like these to wrestle with the consequences of sin and death, but also to marvel at the wonder of life and beauty and blessing. But when we get to this story of Abram, something changes. It's as if we move from the cosmic to the particular, from examining humanity as a whole to zeroing in on one human family. And just as we wrestle with our own struggles, they weren't without their own. Leading up to this text today is a genealogy, a family history at the end of chapter 11. And now, if you're like most of us, your eyes probably glaze over a bit when you come across these genealogies in the scriptures, and that's understandable. But if you look closely, they often tell an interesting story. This one lists about 10 different generations of families with the usual pattern of so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so and on and on. And there's life, there's fullness and wholeness here as it seems the human project is flourishing and the humans are keeping up their end of the bargain to be fruitful and multiply. But then things seem to come to a screeching halt at chapter 11, verse 30. After verses and verses of life and fullness and birth and family story driving forward, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, bam! But Sarai was unable to have children. Sarai was barren. And there would be seemingly no way to continue this family line. For all intents and purposes, at the end of chapter 11, this story is over. It's done. It's finished. I wonder if you can relate. I wonder if you can relate to the pain that comes with an abrupt ending to a dream. All of our lives came to what seemed like a screeching halt last March. And we experienced collectively the jarring sense of confusion that comes with wondering what happens now. The feeling as if the landscape around us looks barren and lifeless and bleak. But perhaps there are other areas 
of your life that might seem barren, that you might describe as lifeless or hopeless or seemingly without potential. Sarai would not have been alone in her inability to have children. And in fact, it's likely that this story in Genesis would have resonated with many ancient women, as bearing children was difficult and dangerous. There were many mysteries then about how or why someone could or could not have children. It's no wonder these ancient storytellers employed the word curse to describe their struggles. Life was hard. It was dangerous. Life is still hard, at times dangerous. It's also no wonder that a word like barren seems to aptly describe the bleakness of the world around us at times. But maybe, maybe we just need a different word. Not a word that ignores or skirts around the issues, but a word that takes us right through the middle of it to the other side of the wasteland. Walter Brueggemann puts it like this. He says, But barrenness is not only the condition of hopeless humanity. The marvel of biblical faith is that barrenness is the arena of God's life-giving action. Inexplicably, this God speaks his powerful word of blessing directly into a situation of barrenness. That, he says, is the ground of the good news. This is the good news. We don't get to decide when the story is over. We don't get to declare that all is lost and that there's no hope because we serve and worship a God who speaks a word of blessing right into the middle of the mess. And believe me, I can hear and feel our collective recoil at these words when there's so much pain and suffering around us. Does this mean that we should just gloss over all of the hard stuff, all of the death and violence and heartache? What do you say to George Floyd's mother? What do you say to Derek Chauvin's mother, for that matter? What do you say to all those countless families who lost loved ones this last year? I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that there is a profound mystery here. That despite the pain, that despite the destruction and chaos, despite the cycles of sin and death and violence that we encounter and participate in on a daily basis, despite a family history that comes to a screeching halt with seemingly no hope for a future, that it's right in that moment, not before it, not after it, right in that moment where God says, you are blessed. 
This is a God who brings life out of death. Light into darkness. Hope into despair. And who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The real crux of this story of Abram and Sarai is really the last part of verse 3. Because not only does God speak a word of blessing into their pain, but God says that through their blessing, all the families of the earth will be blessed. For Abram and Sarai, to encounter the blessing of God means to be called to be a blessing to others. That's the whole point. The two are inseparable, blessing and call. There is no blessing without calling. There's no such thing as blessing just for their own sake. It's as if God takes our inward, self-focused perspective and turns it outward toward the world around us, as if to, to make us ask of ourselves, what will we do with this now? And perhaps God's blessing comes to you in whatever situation you are faced with in the form of a perspective shift on your situation, some new insight or clarity that brings healing to your heart and your mind. Maybe God's blessing comes to you in the form of material resources that you need, despite what I said earlier about getting stuff. Sometimes we need things to fulfill a dream that God is calling us to. Maybe blessing comes to you in an unexpected opportunity to reconcile with the person you haven't spoken with in a decade. Or maybe, maybe God's blessing in your life seems invisible or hidden, maybe non-existent. And right now, there really is nothing other than pain or struggle. Believe it or not, there can be blessing even in that. I'm reminded of the words of Parker Palmer. Words that I think all of us will do well to hear in these times. Palmer said, violence is what happens when we don't know what to do with our pain. Love is what happens when we allow our pain to break our hearts open wide. I know you've felt that. I know there have been times in life where you've experienced that, and you know what Parker Palmer is talking about. This sense that you find blessing in the middle of struggle because all of a sudden your pain has now produced an opportunity to help and serve someone else, to be a blessing to the nations around you. Abram and Sarai are lifted up as exemplars of courage precisely because they decided to follow God into an unknown future as they wrestled with their pain of loss and confusion, but chose to trust that even if they couldn't see a way forward through their own abilities, that God would make a way for them. Remember, it's right in that moment of confusion, 
of not knowing what happens next, that God says in Genesis 12, 1, you are blessed to be a blessing to others. They follow God into this call to be a blessing to all the families of the earth, even though they don't have one yet themselves. Is it possible that God could do the same for you, for us? Is it possible that whatever difficulties you face or that we face right now, whatever pain or heartache, God might be speaking a word of blessing and call into it? Is it possible that the good blessings you have been given in your life are inseparable from a call to use them for good for those around you? I want us to hear the immense hope in these first three verses of Genesis 12. The immense hope that comes from a God who sends into the world to be a blessing. God didn't just send Abram and Sarai, but that sending is a pattern for our sending. God calls us to take stock of what we have, to recognize the ways that we have been blessed in our lives, and to turn them around for good around us, to be sent into the world to be a blessing to all who we encounter. You are blessed. God is present with you, whether or not you feel it or see it, whether or not the world around you looks like it. And God calls each of us to take that blessing into the world with us. Amen. We enter into a moment of silent reflection, and I would encourage all of us in this time to embrace the mystery and the challenge of this call. What is it that God might be calling you to? How can you use what you are blessed with to serve those around you?